So, good morning, everybody. Um, and Lord, I just pray that your words come through in love, Father, in this, in this teaching, because, Father, we try to hear from you. So, Father, bless us as we hear from you this morning. Yeah. Wasn't that amazing worship? And isn't it amazing how songs can stick in your mind and you can sing them for ages afterwards? But isn't it annoying when it's a horrible song and it's not a worship song? It's a secular one. And it's just that annoying beat that sticks in your mind, isn't it? The same thing can happen when we watch movies or TV, though. Those things can go round and round in our mind for ages. It might be something romantic. It might be a hero. It might be something that really disturbs you. It might be something that actually frightens you. That fear can stay with you. It might be that we need, even need to put the lights on at night. What we watch can stay with us. What we hear can stay with us. I remember when I was about 14 or 15, I watched the movie Zombies. I went to the cinema with my friends. My friend, my elder friend, was wiser and she went out. I stayed with the younger one because I thought, no, I'm going to watch it. Do you know that film stuck with me for years? I hated it. I hated every minute of watching it, but I was so naive and silly, I stayed there and listened and watched. There are so many things out there that don't edify, but we still watch them and we still read them. Mary mentioned the other week about a book that her sister had brought and how she had to pray over it because she just knew it wasn't right. You see, what I'm getting at as is what we feed our minds and spirits can stick with us. We're encouraged to meditate on the Word of God. But if we have other things that stick in our minds, are we actually meditating on them? I'd like us to take a moment and just think about the last year or two. What books, what movies, what things on TV have you watched? And you don't have to answer me on that one. Now I'd like you to ask another question. What would God say about those things? Would he call them godly? And again, you don't have to answer. But if you answered, they were a bit weird, but it was just a bit of fun. There was no harm in it. I'd like you to ask yourself another question. Would Jesus describe it as godly? Now, I'm going to ask, I'm going to assume that there may be two different answers there. That you may have thought, mm, maybe not, maybe not. Now, this is no way meant to bring condemnation, okay? Because as we heard to this morning, just in the worship alone, God is our protector. God loves us. This is about refreshing. It's about listening and knowing and being prepared. Now, when we meditate on the word, when we listen and work to worship music, or we sit in the presence of God, we feed our, our spirits. We feed it with the goodness of God. We open the door to a greater measure of the Holy Spirit, and we build our faith. Jesus said, man cannot live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. In other words, when we feed ourselves the word of God, it's like feeding ourselves life. 
So if you're reading or watching otherworldly types of things that also stick in our mind, are we still feeding ourselves life? Or are we meditating on very different things and maybe feeding fears? And are we edifying our souls? If we can't honestly say that Jesus would describe them as godly, then they're probably not godly. What we fill ourselves with feeds our mind, our body, our soul. Psalm 5 verse 4 says, You are not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness, nor shall evil dwell with you. But Lord, you bless the righteous with favor. You'll surround him with a shield. Now you may think I'm going over the top, okay? And I get that. But in John 17, Jesus prayed to the Father, I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. That's talking about you and me. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. The word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. And then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you love me. We are children of God. We are cleansed and we are purified by the blood of Jesus. And we are a new creation. We no longer belong to this world. We belong to him and we are different And the world will see that difference. I've been quite shocked recently, as we've just come through Halloween, at all of the nasty comments on Facebook to those who have just simply said, I don't celebrate Halloween. And it it really confirms verse 14 that says, I have given them the word and the world hates them because they're not of the world. When we show who we are, when we step out, In the light of Jesus, in the truth of Jesus, the world will see a difference in us because Holy Spirit lives in us. Jesus himself said he wants us to be filled with the fullness of his joy and be protected from evil. He's given us the same glory that the Father gave him. And we have the Holy Spirit as a guarantee and a promise from the Lord. Now 1 John 2 says... Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. It's quite a strong verse, isn't it? If you love the world, the love of the Father is not in them. You see, Jesus came to set us free from the hold of the evil one and the sin and the sickness that he brings. In a way, it's like we had a spring clean when we became Christians. We were washed completely 
of every sin, every sickness, everything evil. Nothing could touch us. 1 Corinthians 6.19 said, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You're not your own. Now that's a powerful one, isn't it? We are temples of the Holy Spirit. Now we wouldn't knowingly invite a murderer or a thief into our home. In the same way, we need to be careful what we invite into our temple. We need to be wise. In 2 Corinthians 11, it says, Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising then if his servants masquerade as servants of righteousness. Their end will be what their actions deserve. We hear a lot about, it's just a bit of fun, there's no harm in it. But you see, the enemy is sneaky. He won't normally come with his pitchfork and a couple of horns so you can see who's coming. He comes in deception and deceit and often questioning, is that really bad? Is it really what they say? Are you going over the top? Now, I don't want to focus on the enemy. I never want to give him any glory because he doesn't deserve it. But safety and wisdom come from knowing the enemy's tactics. We're told that when Jesus spent 40 days and 40 nights in the desert, he was tired, he was hungry, and he was weak at at the end of that. And that's when the enemy came. The enemy isn't nice, he isn't kind, and he's not going to come when you're strong and you're ready to fight. He's going to come when you're feeling low and when you're feeling down, and when you've got doubts there already. Okay? Um, now, um, sorry, where are we? The enemy knows scripture as well as the Lord does, and he'll use that scripture. And that's what he tempted the Lord with. He said to the Lord, where is it? Sorry. If you are the son of God, throw yourself down. For it is, it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike a foot against a stone. But notice Jesus didn't answer him in any other way other than quoting scripture back. He said, it's also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Now, the enemy doesn't have any new tricks. So let's get that across. He's a little bit boring in that way. He's using the same tactics he used from day one with Adam and Eve. In Genesis 3.1, it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God has made. He said to the woman Eve, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman replied, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not certainly die, for God knows that when you eat that, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. You see, he questioned there as well. And that's his tactic. He questions. He tries to make ourselves doubt. He tries to make ourselves doubt ourselves and also doubt God. Did, re- did God really say it? 
Have we sinned too many times? Have you ever had that one? Oh, I messed up. I bet God, God won't forgive me this time. It's just too many times. I'm a Christian. I shouldn't really have done that. Will God really, really forgive me? Did God really say that I should be speaking in the church? Did God really say that I should be leading kids' work? Did God really say? It's the same tactics, and we hear it again and again. He tries to entice people away from the truth. And we always, always have a choice. Now, we can choose to believe those lies, or we can choose to keep our eyes firmly fixed on the word of God, which is our truth. He tries to pull us into unclean and untrue. If we stay in the Lord, it's always clean, it's always pure, and it's always true. Now, how do we do that? How do we keep ourselves pure? How do we keep ourselves protected from the Lord? By feeding ourselves on the word of God, which brings life. By spending time with the Lord. And he'll build our faith. He'll fill us with the Holy Spirit to that measure of joy that he spoke about earlier. He encourages us. He leads us in what he has prepared for us. And we've spoken about this before. He's prepared a good plan and a good purpose. In Ephesians 6, 12, it says, Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the powers of this world, the darkness, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And that's why it's important for us to, to feed ourselves the bread of life. Now, I've talked enough about the enemy's tactics, but I want us to be aware of how we can protect ourselves and feed ourselves and what we have to be careful of. But now we get to the exciting part. What has God done about it? Well, he's done everything. He has done absolutely everything. He defeated already the enemy on the cross. Jesus paid in full... The price for our transgressions, every one that we commit, even the one we might commit tomorrow, past, present, future, any mess-ups, he went to hell in our place and death could not hold him because he is pure, he is holy, he is almighty, he is good, he is Lord of lords, he is King of kings and we belong to him. And on top of that, his Holy Spirit now lives inside of us. 1 John 4, there's a few verses I want to read, but I'm only going to read some of it. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you will know that, that, sorry, by this you will know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus has come in the flesh is from God. So when you say Jesus Christ is Lord, you know Holy Spirit is in you. You know you belong to God. So if the devil comes along and says, he doesn't love you anymore, you messed up, say Jesus Christ is my Lord, and you know you are saved, because the enemy can't say it. Dear children, my dear children, sorry, you dear children are from God and have overcome them. This is the enemy. And because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world, they are of the world. 
That is why, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm getting really tongue-tied here this morning. I'm thinking very, I'm going to read that again, sorry, because this is really important. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them. Because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Amen. They are of the world. That is why they speak from the world's perspective. And the world listens to them. But we are from God. Galatians 5 said, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So stand firm then. And do not let yourself be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. And that's what I'm getting at. When we let things into our lives and we concentrate on other things, we meditate on other things, we're burdening ourselves again. We don't want to do that. We've been cleansed. We've had our spring clean. So even if we do get caught out, what then? Psalm 91 says, Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, he is my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers. Under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand will fall at your side, ten thousand may fall at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. Now he said, he will deliver you from the the snare of the fowler. That means if you've been caught out, he will deliver and rescue you. He will set you free again and again and again if necessary. But he much prefer that you actually don't get caught again. Yeah? And that's what this message is about. Let's not get caught out. Let's feed ourselves the right things. Let's meditate on God. Under his wings, we can take refuge. Can you imagine anything coming against the Lord when we're sitting under his wings? Nothing can touch us. Nothing would dare. He's already thrown them out of heaven. We are protected. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night or the arrow that flies by day. Verse 9 carries on. If you say, the Lord is my refuge, and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. Wow, wow. Can you imagine? Oh, wow. Sorry, I have to take a minute for that one, actually. That is amazing, isn't it? He will command his angels concerning you. If you're in trouble, can you imagine? The Lord says, look, 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 go see that one. Go on. That's, that's, my, that's my Anne. That's my Florine. That's my Miriam. Just go. Just go. Look after those. Rescue them. Okay. We've got an angel. Or angels. There's probably angels in this building right now. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me. He will call on me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. 
Staying in the presence of the Almighty is a bit like staying in in a camp of the Allies. When we step out, if we go into the enemy's camp, we're not quite as protected as we would be if we were in our own. Yeah? We're still protected, but we're not quite in the same place. So if the Word of God is telling us something, to beware of something, to stay clear of something, it's a warning, it's a guide for our protection. For instance, in Leviticus 19 it says, you must not turn to mediums or spiritists. Do not seek them out, or you will be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. We live in the world, but we're not of it. We can't normalize those things that God rescued us from just to fit in the world. I heard this phrase online recently. It says, we can't normalize what the Lord God wants to neutralize. John 15.3 says, you are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. So remain in me and I will remain in you. Psalm 1 said, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or set foot on the path of the sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night. And that's what we're going to do today. We are going to spend some time with the Lord meditating on him. Meditating on the presence of who he is of him and who he is, meditating on his goodness, his holiness, his love. Like Dorothy was talking about this morning, he wraps us in a blanket of love. And I was standing at the back earlier and looking at that picture of a tree and the leaves are shaped like hearts. And I was thinking, yeah, sometimes we feel like we're lost in the world, but actually each one of us has that love. Each one of us is on God's heart. And today we're just going to sit and we're going to spend some time remembering who we are, who our God is, because we live in a busy, busy world. And sometimes it's really hard to sit back and say, okay, Lord, I'll give you this time. I want to sit with you. I want to spend time with you. And then you've got the kids or the neighbors or the door goes or something or the telephone. But not today. Not today. Today, the Lord comes first. He is our protector. He is our Lord of Lords, our King of Kings. He has rescued us. He has cleansed us. He will always be there for us. He said he will never forsake us. He will never leave us. He will lift us up on wings like eagles because he wants us to soar. He wants us to experience the full measure of his joy, of his presence. When the disciples waited in the upper room in Acts 2, Holy Spirit came like tongues of fire. They were there because they needed to be in the presence. They needed to be together. They needed to just pray and give their hearts to God and say, what next? What do you want? What do, where should we go? We know you're here with us, but we need your presence. And we're going to do that today. We're just going to wait. And we're just going to give ourselves again. And if there is anything that you feel burdened by, This is the time to hand it over. Because by the time you leave this building, it's going to be gone. And you're going to be blessed. And I pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen.